You're listening to the Harborside Church Podcast. To connect with us online, go to www.harborside.org. We hope you enjoy this message. I'm Pip. Um, If you haven't met me, I'd love to meet you after the service. I get to read John 15 verse 1 to 8 this morning and I was reading through it this morning and I was just so encouraged. Um, So I encourage you, I only get to read it once. Often for me um, to really take in scripture, I have to read it a couple of times. But uh, I encourage you to listen um, carefully to all the words. Um, There's one word in there that really struck me and that was the word wither. Um, And that is what we become, we wither without Jesus. All right. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Amen. Thanks, Pippi. Good morning, everybody. How are you doing? Good. Got a bit of feedback. We're working on that. Okay. Good to have you here. I'm Dave. I'm the pastor here at Harborside, and it's awesome to be together on Vision Sunday. It's awesome. It's great to see the kids up here up the front and Mike and... It's just, it's cool to see all our, our young kids involved in the ministries. Exciting things are going on here. Well, welcome to Vision Sunday. What is Vision Sunday? <laughs> I think Mike gave a great ex- uh, il- illustration, some great examples. Sophia was pretty cute, wasn't she? Skipping around the building. That was quite exciting. We can skip as a church if we want to into 2022. Vision Sunday, what is it? If you're new, you might be thinking, what kind of Sunday have I come to? What does it look like? In fact, if you're new, this is actually a perfect opportunity for you to be here as we talk about what this church is about. Vision Sunday really is a chance just to, like Rob said, officially kick off the year. Australia Day is our unofficial start, isn't it, to the year? I mean, now we're sort of two Sundays after that, we can get into the year, Australia Day has passed. So it's a chance, Vision Sunday, to kick off the year together. I reckon it's also a chance to recalibrate, isn't it? To reorient ourselves about what we're on about as a church. Sorry, we'll, we'll work on the. So do you need me to do anything, Paul? We're we right. You just, that's okay. We're enjoying it. Okay. <laughs> Too much? Okay. 
at the start of the year, we often kind of assess what the year holds, don't we? We kind of reassess, all right, I did these things last year. Am I going to do the same things this year? Am I going to continue or cancel the gym membership? I, I, did, I, I did one of those things this week. I'll leave you to guess which one it is. You know, which streaming services am I going to continue with? Am I going to get rid of? Am I going to add? I think we're up to five right now. So I, I've got on my calendar to get rid of a couple of them tomorrow. Will my aging body be able to play netball again this year? Will, will I be able to play five-a-side soccer again? Or is it time for me to transition into Pilates? You know, are you, I mean, I'm giving away my age saying that, but that's, that's really what I'm thinking at the moment. It's a good opportunity as well to ask, what will me and church look like this year? What will my relationship with church, or if you're part of a family, what will our family's relationship with church be like this year? Let's face it, last year and the year before have been weird enough to put us out of our regular habits, haven't they? To put us out of our regular rhythms as a church, or rhythms of our relationship with church, right? So I think it just makes sense for us just take this time and say, what does me and church look like this year? Do you want me to use this handheld here, Paul? Or Okay, it's all right. Makes sense to reevaluate what part church plays in our life. But I think it's also up to myself and the leadership of the church to ask some hard questions about the health of our church, right? To ask hard questions about... You know, where are we at? And this is what I want, particularly want to focus on as a church this morning. Where are we at in the life cycle of our church? Now, what do I mean? We're three years old. I don't know if you know that. We talk about that a little bit. We are three, three and a half years old as a church, turning four this year. What does it mean for us to be at that point in our life as a church? That's a question we've got to ask. Now, we, uh, we, we're quite, we have something in common as a church with Banjo Barnes. Banjo's down here. Hey, buddy, how you doing? You good? Banjo is three and a half. When we launched this church, he was pretty much born at the same time. And I tell you what, in the last three and a half years, Banjo, you've come a long way. <laughs> you've come a long way, mate. You are, you are, you've got a little brother. You're not, you're not the youngest anymore, are you? You've got little Zach. You can speak. You're running around the place, tackling kids. You're keeping up with my youngest. You're in preschool. No more nappies. Is that right? Okay, nighttime nap. Well, I tell you what, that's still pretty impressive. No daytime nappies. He's growing up. You've grown up a lot. And we as a church, we are growing up. We're as old as Banjo. <laughs> We've come a long way as a church. Are we the same developmentally as Banjo? Maybe in some ways. Look, this might be a bit of a silly illustration, you might think. But I tell you what, we may not be a toddler as a church developmentally. But are we mature as a church? Where are we at in terms of maturity as a gathered people of God? We may not be a toddler, but bear with me in this. I kind of feel like we're a little bit like a late adolescent. Bear with me on this. Maybe. What does it mean for us? Picture a late teenager moving into their own place for the first time. For some of you, you might have teenagers this age thinking, oh boy, that'd be a disaster. I myself had this experience at the age of 19, moved into a share house, that was not pretty. I was dating Pip at the time. She pretty much refused to hang out there. It was so revolting. But it's maybe you had this experience. First time you moved out of home as a, as a young adult or a late adolescent, you got to do your laundry for the first time, pay your bills, 
You've got, you got to cook your own food. I tell you, those few things I didn't do much of in those first few months. I remember hanging out with a, a guy in this little share house that had lived there for nine months or maybe a year. And I was so new to this. I didn't know to answers like, how often do you wash your bed sheets? That's so pathetic, right? And I remember asking this guy, like, how often do you wash your bed sheets? And he stood there for a moment. He said, I don't think I have. <laughs> Great advice. Don't need to do it. Fantastic. <laughs> He'd been there for a year. So, hooey. Oh, so nice. Revolting. So, I, I think at least in some ways, right, how can we, what does that mean for us as a church? Today, I want to talk about some words that are a bit scary. I want to talk about responsibility. I want to talk about maturity. I want to talk about adulting. That term wasn't around when I was young, but that's what, is that correct? Younger people talk about, oh, I'm adulting at the moment. Like, what do you mean? You're paying your bills. So anyway, that's what I want to talk about. I think in some ways, this is where we are at as a church. What does it mean? I think at least it means, here's the fact, we don't have a long history of anything. We don't have a long history of anything at this church. We don't, we don't have a long history of praying. We don't have a long history of serving. We don't have a long history of growing generosity. Make no mistake, we do those things as a church, but we don't have a long history of it. How can we mature in them as a church? How can we establish this church for generations to come? Now, for me, this is really exciting because we don't have a long history. Therefore, we have a part to play, every single one of us, in shaping the future. It's a lot of blank canvas, which is really exciting. But there's also a shadow side to this. And I think it's this. Less commitment. Because simply we've got less history of commitment, right? We are still shaping our spiritual habits regarding this church. So here's a question for us. This is really the big question I want to tackle this morning. What would it look like for us as a church to take a step toward maturity this year or in this season? What would it look like for us as a church to take a step forward toward maturity this year? You know, as I've been thinking about this and praying through it and and mining God's word for what he wants to say to us as his people, I've been really struck by the picture of the tree planted by streams of water in Psalm 1. It's a beautiful picture. There's our Vision Sunday slide. Here it is, Psalm 1. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his Lord day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do, prospers. You know, in some ways, Harborside Church, I think is, if we take this illustration of a tree, it's like a sapling, like a young tree. It's got life. It's growing. It's got vitality. It's beautiful. Its leaves are beautiful. But our roots are not yet down deep into the rich soil How could we become stronger? 
How could we become strong, resilient, life-giving, able to weather the storms, give shelter to others? Well, here's a fact. We can't, can't be upset by this. You can't hurry time. You can't make a tree grow faster. We can't make our church be more mature. It takes time, and that's okay. But what are the conditions that help it grow? Well, what does the passage say? It says, a person who is like this. And I think we can say a church who is like this delights in the law of the Lord. Now, the author of Psalm 1, referring to the law of the Lord, means all of God's word, delighting in God's word. If we delight in God's word, of course, we must say we are simply delighting in the Lord himself. Yep, delighting in God, being planted in him. Pip read a beautiful passage from the New Testament, John 15, Jesus' words here. What does he say? I'm the vine, you are the branches. Stay connected to me, you'll have life, you'll have fruitfulness. If not, verse 5, I'm the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do some things. You can do some programs. You can do some ministries with some fruitfulness. You can do a bit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So taking this picture seriously, what does it look like for our church? What does it look like for our church to have roots in the fertile soil of God, to be connected to the life-giving vine of Christ? I think, I think it means this. Blank that. I think it means this. First and foremost, what I want to talk about this morning, it means prayer. It means prayerful dependence on the Holy Spirit. Then I want to talk about a couple other things. I think it means getting our faith into action, putting our faith into action by serving and by giving. Prayer, kingdom-centered, spirit-empowering prayer, serving and giving. How are we going to become more mature? That's the question for today. How are we going to become more mature as a church? And also, how can I get more stuck in the church this year? Guess what? The answers are the same. That's lucky. The answers are the same. Prayer, serving, giving. You might be thinking, oh, no, a message on prayer, a message on serving, a message. I've heard it before. So have I. I've heard it before too. But let me ask you this. Can we come at these things with a renewed passion? This is what we want to talk about today. Prayer, serving, giving, or, or if you will, our GPS, giving, praying, serving, because PSG is no good. Okay, what is that? So GPS, this really is a guiding principle to maturity. I'm not going to say our roadmap to recovery because we're all going to get PSD, PTSD shock from hearing that, aren't we? But it's true, isn't it? It's our, our guiding path to maturity. Now, GPS, we're going to start with prayer. Let me talk on that. It's going to be the longest point. Don't worry. The other points won't be as long. But it's what I want to talk about this morning. We're going to start with prayer. It's the right place to start. Why does it start here? Because in prayer, we acknowledge our complete dependence on the power of the Holy Spirit to give life and health to this church. It's not about our awesome tricks and our awesome programs. Friends, we want to bring the dead to life. We want to see lost people saved. But only God can do this. 
And so we pray, we seek him, we seek his face to do it, to give power to our witness. You know, after the death and resurrection and ascension of Jesus Christ, after the Holy Spirit had come in power on the disciples, they go and witness, don't they? You read about it in the book of Acts, they go and witness, they share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And of course, they face some persecution, the local authorities don't like it. And they throw Peter and, and, and John, James, John, in prison. James, excuse me, in, James, in, in prison, sorry, should know that's here. In prison, and they say, they release them, they say, look, we'll release you if you stop, stop preaching. And what do they say? Should we obey you or God? What do you think? And they let them go anyway for the time being. But we won't blame them for being afraid. They're afraid. And what do they do? They gather with the other disciples and they pray. What do they pray for? They pray for boldness. So they can continue to witness. The early disciples prayed for boldness in the face of persecution. We pray for boldness in the face of apathy. I think. The disciples prayed for boldness in the face of persecution. Friends, I think our greatest danger. We pray for boldness in the faith of, face of apathy. It's our greatest danger. Can I explain why? Can you give me a minute to maybe explain why I think this might be true? See, in the Old Testament, the New Testament, throughout church history, there is a pattern of church renewal, right? Of revival. Times of, of renewal and revival look similar even though they're separated by thousands of kilometers and thousands of years of history. They look similar, and they look like this. Crisis, prayer, empowering. That's what it looks like. Crisis, prayer, empowering. In Acts 4, we see it, right? The disciples are being persecuted. It's a crisis. And they, they fall to their knees in dependent prayer. God, we cannot do this without you. And they are empowered for the task at hand. What's our crisis? I don't want to be alarmist, but I kind of do. What do you think it is? Spiritual barrenness, no? It is. Spiritual apathy. Friends, we live in a spiritual wasteland in this country. The crisis is spiritual apathy in our country, our city, our area. And hey, if we're honest, in our own hearts. Mine too. Now, a good friend, John Buckley, preached late last year. Um, Cracking message, as he always does. Doesn't hold back. He preached a great message about Isaiah. And I tell you what, he, he used a, an illustration about the decline of the church in Australia. And he said in his lifetime, it had continued by alarming percentage points to decline. And I must admit, during the message, I was like, ease up a bit, John. This is a bit heavy. Because I felt it. I don't know if you remember. I felt it. <laughs> it wasn't feel good. It wasn't pretty. Decline's the word. Let me ask you, how do you feel about that? Are you happy with that? Are you content just, just to be, oh, that's the age we live in? Do you see a crisis? And are we willing to pray that it would change? 
Truth is, God is sovereign. I believe in that. I believe that God is in control. I believe he is sovereign. But let me tell you, don't let your theology about God's sovereignty lead you to inaction. Because if it does, you've got your theology wrong, right? Our belief in that God is in control must not lead us to apathy about the lost souls in our area. No, 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 no. That's not biblical. You see, our apathy toward God and his kingdom, I think, just can lead us to completely miss the crisis of what is going on. We must pray. We must pray. It's, it's not about us, and yet it is about us. Let me, let me kind of try to explain this, what it means as a church, okay? We're three years in, like I've said, three, three and a half years in. And, and let me say, in some metrics, we're doing well. Right? Lots of church plants don't make it this far. I've got friends who attempted to lead church plants and they're no longer doing that because it didn't work. It wasn't viable. So, hey, we're still here. <laughs> Our building, praise, aren't we thankful that we've been given this building to take care of? And it's doing well. It's so good to see different parts of it renovated. The playground's amazing. Our ministries are growing. We're starting a youth group this year. Come on. So good. There is health in this place. And we praise God for that. I'm grateful for it. Don't, don't confuse what I'm about to say with ungratefulness. I'm grateful for the health. But don't for one second think it's mission accomplished. And that is our great temptation. I believe God has given us health in these areas, not to sit back and sip pina coladas. No, we use what he's given us to leverage for the kingdom of God. From this place of health and strength, we go, okay, God, now we step into the next season. What do you have for us? Let me ask you a question that's going to hurt you because it hurt me. Because I want to talk about prayer, particularly in line with our fuel for mission of why we're here, proclaiming the hope of Jesus to Mossman and beyond. We want to see lots of people saved, so let me ask you a question that's going to hurt because it hurt me. If God answered your prayers of the last 14 days, who would be converted? If God answered yes to everything that you had prayed, who would be sitting next to you in church this morning? That hit me. We are invited to participate in God's incredible mission here on earth. It starts with prayer. I'm, I'm just convinced that prayer and dependence on the Holy Spirit, they're not just important or a thing we do, it's foundational to the life and health of this church. I, I love this passage of Scripture from 2 Chronicles 7. Context of this is Israel have just built the temple for the Lord to dwell in, and now he speaks. I've heard your prayer and have chosen this for my sorry this place for myself as a temple for sacrifices. This is God still speaking. When I shut the heavens so that there's no rain or command locusts to devour the land or send a plague among my people, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. God is causing these calamities to happen. He's saying, I will cause them to happen. 
in your land? And what, what will you do in the face of it? Will you pray? So much to say on this, but <laughs> is it not time for us to turn to God, to humble ourselves and to seek his face? Because our land needs healing. Could it be that God will not give us what we do not ask for? I think it's good to have dreams. What you were saying before, Rob, vision, I think it's good. I think it's good to hope. We put our hope in the Lord. Do you want more, church? Do you want to see more people baptized into the name of Jesus in this church? Do you? How good was it hearing from our brother Haoni last week about how he came to this church and now he knows what it means to have a personal relationship with God? Wasn't that encouraging? Do you want to see more of that? What, do you? I do. Will you pray? Do you want to see God move in this place? Do you want to see God move in Mossman? Will you pray? There is so much talk about leadership. I've got so many books on my shelf on leadership. I'm in courses. I mean, things all the time about leadership. But let me tell you, friends, God is looking for people who will humble themselves and seek his face. They're always the people he uses. Join us this Wednesday night as we do just that, as we humble ourselves and seek his face. Who will you pray for? What name will you bring this Wednesday? I'm looking forward to it. Okay. Let's move on. Like I said, a lot of our attention on that huge topic this morning. How else could we take a step of maturity as a church? How could we? By putting our faith in action, in prayer. What else? I want to talk about serving this morning. I believe part of being connected to the vine, part of being a strong tree as a church, is living out our faith, real Faith is active faith that manifests in doing. We are, we are starting a, a series on James this year, which is going to be awesome. And we're just going to be diving into this, this truth for a while. Start that next week. Serving is part of this process. And we serve because Christ first served us. That's our motivation. And I just, I just love the picture the New Testament gives when it talks about church. It talks about family. I love that. You and I, we are part of a, a new family. Like it or not, these are your brothers and sisters in Christ. Look around you. It's the family you've got. But it also talks about the church being a body. 1 Corinthians 12, just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we're all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body. We're together. It doesn't matter where you're from, Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we're all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. I love this picture. It's not just up to one person. We're not just one amazing, charismatic leader. No. Every single person has something unique to offer and give. God loves it when his people come together. It's his body working as it should. It's one of my favorite things about church is seeing people come, seeing new people come and offer what they have, uniquely offer. It's the best. How can we take a step toward maturity in this space as a church? And can I just say, I think actually 
We've got a pretty great culture of serving, and I'm grateful for it. But man, we, we, can, we can grow, can't we? We all need encouragement in different areas. You know, if you ask any Christian, right, would you want to be part of a great church? You're not going to get many no's, are you? No, I want to be part of a mediocre church. Everyone's going to say yes, of course. Yeah, I want to be part of a great church. But what does it take? It takes a group of praying people to step up and serve. Amen? It does. It's not this. I'm not asking you to pray like this. Lord, thank you for my local church. Lord, I just pray that you'd provide some people to step up and serve. (laughs) God's going, "Um, I want you to do that. Yeah. It takes this word. I know it ain't popular today, but I don't care. It takes commitment. It does. I'm so grateful that our church loves to serve. I really, I really am grateful. But how could we grow in this? I reckon this is for everyone, not just our church. In this day and age of text, it's so easy to bail, isn't it? So easy. Sorry, big week. Can't make it this morning. This morning. Sorry, I'm just really tired. I just, I can't do it. I know I said it will, but I can't. Who hasn't sent that message? I know I have. Now, I know COVID's made it like we should be doing that. If we're not feeling well, we should stay away and all that kind of stuff. But I think we all know the difference between what's COVID and what's not, right? And I'm just trying to say, I think it's made it more acceptable to be slack on our commitment. Jesus says, let your yes be yes. I've been so convicted of this. Do what you say you're going to do. That's maturity. (laughs) I I read this whole book and was part of this reading plan for this great book called Integrity, which is awesome. And at the end, he said, basically, you can summarize this book by this. Do what you say you're going to do. And I thought, we really could have saved some time (laughs) if we just kind of talked about that. But it's true. That, That is integrity. That's maturity. What would it look like for us as a church to do what we say we're going to do? Let our yes be yes. Now, I don't want to guilt trip you. You know, I, you know what the difference is between if you're sick with COVID. You know that. And we want to serve sustainably, of course. Last week, we talked about honoring the body, right? We want to serve sustainably. But that doesn't mean we don't serve because then we just pile on for other people. We're in this together. Okay, maturity as a church looks like praying. Yeah, together as a church. Praying for God to move, for people to come to faith. It means stepping up in church. And it also means giving. We're going to talk about money for a minute or five, okay? We lock the doors, can't go anywhere. (laughs) And you know what? I don't think we should be relegating this topic of of money to like the once a year message. I don't know about you, but I deal with money all the time, multiple times a day. How do we approach this as Christians? It's, It's all discipleship, isn't it? It's all maturing in our faith. So let's, what would it look like for us as a church to grow in generosity, to take a step of maturity when it comes to our finances? I love this, love this scripture. Let's read it. This is Paul speaking in 2 Corinthians 9. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So much I could say on this, and I want to keep it brief from here, okay? But I'm just going to focus on this section. I love it. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. What does that mean? I really think this is a picture of maturity. 
when it comes to handling our finances. Let me explain by asking all of us some questions. How have you approached your giving? How do you determine what amount you give? How regular that is? Or have you? Have you sat down? Have you given it time? Have you prayed about it? If you're married, have you spent some time with your partner talking about this? Have you done the maths? Not my strength, but have you done it? Have you done the calculations? Do you know how much you give? I'm not asking you to tell me. Do you know what you give? Do you know what percentage of your income you give to God and His kingdom? See, I think this is what Paul means when he says, decide in your heart, right? He means don't be random about it. Don't be fitful. You know, give just when you remember or occasionally. Decide in your heart means think about it at the deepest part of who you are, right? Pray about it. Do the maths. Talk about it with your spouse. I, w- I want to challenge every single one of us to do this. It's just easy to pick a number and stick with it. It's easy. It's easy not to think about it too much, but God doesn't call us into easy. He calls us into maturity in Christ. I honestly think many of us would be surprised if we sat down and did the maths. We'd be surprised at what percentage we gave. I reckon we would be. I don't know what people give, which is awesome, but I do see stats, anonymous, nameless stats. And let me tell you, there's some wonderfully generous people here. Thank you. And there's also people who give not a lot. There's people who give very little. There's people who probably give, you know, what it costs for a takeaway coffee a day or less. Would you think that's generous? There's so many themes in the New Testament on this subject. The theme of first fruits. We just give to God first, not our scraps left over. There's sacrifice. It's got to hurt a bit. And there's generosity. Well, we don't have to give 10%. We can give way more. Is freedom. But what do you think is generous? That's what God calls us to be. If it's 10%, is that what you think? 5%, if that's what you think, let me ask you. Do you know what you give now? And do you know what the gap is? I, I, oh, this, this next sentence is a bit harsh, but I tell you, if you don't know the answer to these questions, you can't be mature in this area of your spiritual life. What does Jesus mean to you? Everything. Oh, everything. He's my everything. Would your finances prove that? Now, let me just say this loud and clear. It's none of my business what you give. I don't want to know. I don't ever want to know. It's between you and God. He doesn't need your money. He's the God of the universe. He will provide. It's about your heart. He doesn't want your money. He wants your heart. All of these things, praying, serving, giving, they're all a barometer of, of where our heart is at. Okay, it's a maturity issue. If you give 1% of your income, that's your problem. That's between you and God. But it is an indication of where our heart is. Absolutely. It's none of my business, but it is my business to point you to spiritual maturity. Now, for some of us, you know, we're just disorganized, which characterized my giving for a long time just disorganized, didn't have the tools, didn't have good teaching around what I meant to give generously. Well, you've been given some good tools today. But for some of us, there are actually deep 
things going on in our hearts, real idols that we give to a lot. We're willing to sacrifice time, money, affection for. And those things rob us of more of God's grace. So let me, I'm going to end in a moment. I reckon in terms of finances, there's probably three categories of people in this room today. There's people who give nothing or very little. I'm sure that they must be. What's the message to you? It's time to start. You've moved out of home. How can you grow on responsibility? It's this, it's time to start. Sit down, decide what you will give. Decide in your heart what to give. Trust God. He's worthy of it. I think there's probably another group, those who aren't giving much, a little bit, a tip to God rather than a tithe, you know? Today could be a significant moment in your spiritual life where you say, you know what, I'm growing in this. Encourage you, trust God, step out. And there are those of you that do give significantly and generously. And I want to say thank you. Thank you. Could I encourage you to reassess? You know, when Pip and I planted this church, we decided to, to give so it hurt. Started giving double what we used to. It did hurt. <laughs> we started to give more than we ever had. And I'll tell you, we have not missed those funds. Absolutely. But I'll be honest with you. In the last four years, that amount has not increased. And we're going to change that this week. We're going to reassess. I believe we can be more generous. I, I do. I'm not going to ask you to do what I'm not willing to do. But I'll be honest with you, there's a part of me that doesn't want to. There's a part of me that doesn't want to. There's a part of me that's scared. Can we survive on, on, on less? Can I really trust God with this? It's so easy to say. It's much harder to make that transaction that doesn't change, you know? And there's a part of me that's very selfish. I want to spend my money on what I want to do. But you know what? I know it's the right thing to do. I know God has been challenging me on this. And I know it's the right thing to do. And I want to walk in obedience. And I know that the feelings will come. You wait to, to do things until it feels right. You might be waiting a while. Eh? The prayer is, Lord, change my heart. I want to want it. You know, all of these things, like I've said, are a barometer of our hearts. Yeah, we can do these things out of a sense of duty. We can. But we've never been about that here, have we? No. We want heart change first. But let me also say, do them and the feelings will come. Because Jesus calls us to obedience. And that, friends, is how we grow maturity as a church. Do you want it? I want it. I'm willing to step out in faith to see it. <sighs> okay. I'm now going to give us all a chance to respond to what we've heard. It's been a big monologue. So we're going to take a moment. First and foremost, friends, what does it start with? It starts with prayer. So I'm going to invite us all as members of Harborside Church to stand. Can we stand? We're going to stand together and we're going to pray. Join us Wednesday night as we pray.
as we seek God. But right now, may this be a moment in our church's life where we absolutely prayerfully depend on God and His Spirit for health. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you as a humble group of people who want to see your face. We want to seek your face, Lord. We repent of our smart ways. We repent of our pride. And we ask you to fan into flame a passion for your name. Lord, we we want to see this church be here for generations to come. We long to see more people come to faith. Lord, we long to see a wave of people baptized into the name of Jesus. But if we're honest, it's been not a wave, but a trickle. Lord, would you use us to bring more to, to, to life, Lord, in you? It's going to take all of us to do it, not rely on others. So, Father God, shatter the idols of of pride and just give us boldness. Take away our fear and help us to witness, empowered by the Spirit. Take away our apathy, Lord. May we long for you and your kingdom over wealth and affluence and, and acclaim. Heavenly Father, give us wisdom of how to serve and how to give. We admit, Lord, that we want other things more than you. Take it away. In Jesus' name.